and um want us to today as we go through Malachi chapter three <coughs> and and part of chapter four, um, I want us to um kind of bring our minds into what we have all been been reflecting on these this past month month and a half on this book, right? Um, we have covered a lot of ground in Malachi, right? Um, it's kind of <laughs> like <laughs> Charles Dickens' book. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. Okay. Um, we have uh, spent a lot of time, um, and a, a lot of people have gotten a lot out of it, right? I've gotten a lot of feedback and people saying that, you know, that, that they've learned a whole lot as we've gone through the book of Malachi. Um, because, again, most people really only know just two passages in Malachi, right? Um, uh, the one on tithing <laughs> and the one on, on Elijah, right, preparing the way before the Lord. Uh, but as we've worked our way through the book of Malachi, um, uh, I think that we've learned a lot, even though at times we've all been cut. <laughs> okay, so, um, so let's kind of work on wrapping things up this Sunday and next Sunday. These last uh, two weeks as we are transitioning out of Malachi. Okay. I want us to start at Malachi chapter 3. Starting at verse 13. I'm going to read down to chapter 4, verse 3. Malachi chapter 3, verse 13, down to chapter 4, verse 3. Verse 13 reads, You have spoken harsh words against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, How have we spoken against you? You have said, It is vain to serve God. What do we profit by keeping his command or by going about as mourners before the Lord of hosts? Now we count the arrogant happy. Evildoers not only prosper, but when they put God to the test, they escape. Then those who revered the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord took note and listened, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who revered the Lord and thought on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, my special possession on the day when I act. And I will spare them as parents spare their children who serve them. Then once more you shall see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Verse, chapter 4, verse 1. See the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise, with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Father, again, we come before you asking that you would open our eyes to see beautiful things in your word. We ask that you would help us to uh, have a mind that can understand, but I pray that you would also work in our hearts because often we don't obey even the things that we do understand. We ask now, Lord, as we are working on bringing the series on Malachi to a close, that you would bring to our remembrance all the, thing that, that all the things that we have seen. And I pray, Lord, that you would teach us how we as individuals can apply these things in our own lives. We pray, Lord, that you would teach us uh, from this series how to have authentic worship, how to truly put you first and live for the glory of your name. We thank you now for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I don't want to necessarily give a full-fledged sermon on this passage as much as I want to kind of talk our way through uh, this. Because sometimes after we go through a series on Malachi, right, on, on a, a series that is very tough and difficult, where each week we come feeling like uh, we have been beaten up, 
sometimes we need to find a way to, of encouragement, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and so I want to kind of um, work in that direction um, over these next two uh, two weeks. Um, but let me let us kind of touch on the th- the three points I think that Malachi is giving here in this uh, these verses. And I want to kind of talk to us today uh, with this idea in mind that serving God is worth it. Serving God is worth it. Sometimes we uh, struggle with that idea. We we look around and we see all that's going on in the world and we see people who are not serving God. Um, and, And some people may seem like it's indifferent, but they don't serve God. Some people, you just look at them like, mm, they're not even trying. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and, and, and it seems like they are continuing to prosper. Right? We're dealing with the same thing that the, the people in Malachi's day were struggling with. They, they felt they were trying to serve God, but then they would look at others in other nations or, or some in, in the nation of Israel who would just flat out living in opposition to what God says, and they themselves were struggling, right, or or just barely making it. But those who seemed like they were not going to serve God, they are the ones who seemed like they were prospering. And, And sometimes when we are in that situation, just like the people in the nation of Israel during this time, we can become cynical. We can start to think that serving God is a waste of time. If these people are not serving God and God continues to bless them, why should I continue to make all of the sacrifices that I'm making and I'm not getting by when I can just go enjoy what everybody else is enjoying? (laughs) And and it seems like God has given them a free pass. I think that Malachi is answering that type of, of, of line of reasoning in this text today. Um, and so I, I, I want us to really start by thinking through this idea that it is easy to become cynical and think that serving God is useless. It's easy for us to fall into that way of thinking. Now, what I want to do is to kind of uh, attach this to every section of Malachi that we've already looked at. Okay, and just to review a little bit and to to help us to see why we sometimes think that it is useless, because uh, it is oftentimes easy to become cynical and think that, you know, it's useless to become a super Christian. Now, what do I mean by super Christian? Right. I I heard this term before and. um, Sometimes people just say, well, I just want to be the average Christian. I don't want to. I don't want to go above and beyond. I don't want to be on on the bottom. I, if I, we could just coast on through our spiritual life, that would be great. We would may ask ourselves, why should I restrict what I do on Saturday night so that I can give God my full attention on Sunday morning? Why? Why, why should I not hang out all night on Saturday? I'm going to still get up and come to church. I might be asleep. I might be tired, but I'm here. Why should I not go out and enjoy myself, restrict myself, so that I can wake up and give God my full attention? We may ask ourselves, why should I get up early on Sunday and prepare my heart to meet God when everyone else is sleeping in? I was talking to someone when I first brought this point up about waking up early on Sunday and having worship but before I come to church. He was like, huh? He was like, well, we come to church and sing praise and worship. But how do you prepare your heart to meet with God? Right? You, you, you have to spend time with God yourself. And so instead of you know, well, service starts at 11, so if I get up at like 9.45, 
I could jump in the shower for 15 minutes and I could be there by like 11.15. <laughs> why not get up? Why, why should I get up early, spend time with God, and then come to church to spend time with God when everybody else is sleeping in? Or better yet, why do we have to go to church anyway when everyone else is having service online? It's a good question. I've been getting that question for the last 18 months. <laughs> okay. It's a good question. It's easy to become cynical and say, well, I'm not a super Christian. Why do I, why do I have to do all of these things? It's useless to do all of these things, was what one of my friends told me, like, I don't have to go to church. I can just log in online and feel and get the word for myself and have to skip all of the other stuff. That's not what it says here, though. <laughs> Jesus could have slept in the day he was crucified, too. But he got up for you. It's easy to become cynical in the second section, right? Malachi is talking to, to the shepherds, to the priests, to the Christian leaders. And, 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 and it is easy to become cynical as a pastor to think that it is useless to keep um, on trying to fight with people to get them to do things they don't want to do anyway. <laughs> when the people that they want to listen to are telling them what they want to hear, and all of them get to drive Bentleys. Very cynical. I can be cynical at times. I can like, look, I can come in here and preach some prosperity messages. <laughs> I can give me a Bentley too. <laughs> Y'all know I would never drive that. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd probably be like, somebody bumped my car, we're going to be fighting. <laughs> 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 That's why I don't buy expensive cars. <laughs> Right. But but it, it's easy to get cynical because, again, half the stuff I say, you all be rolling your eyes like, how long he going to be before he finish telling us this? <laughs> like, he's been, he been saying this. We don't want to hear it. I'll be watching people's faces all through the book of Malachi. They'd be like, they'd be like is he serious? <laughs> and it'll be so much easier for me to come in here and just be like, God wants you to be blessed. God has some for you, but it got to start at the head and trickle down to y'all. And then y'all be, come on, bring your money to me. So until you're man of God. It's like we laugh, but y'all be on TBN, be like, yeah, and be writing the checks. <laughs> Side note, I don't know why this came to my mind. I remember I had a friend of mine, this is probably like 20 years ago. We were talking, and um, she said, I'm not going to say who the person was. She, was, she was watching this uh, show, and it was right before New Year's, going into, like, 99. And, um, and so the person was like, yeah, this is your year. And so God is telling me you need to sow a seed of $999 so that you could get your blessing. And she wrote out, she called them up, sent her $999 over. And so we were talking afterwards. She's like, I wish I'd get my money back. <laughs> I'm like, boy, we are so gullible. I'm like, God is not going to bless you unless you send me $999. I was just like, I was like, yep, that's, it. that's exactly what Paul said. Jesus died for you, but you ain't getting that blessing. It'd be cynical. I could do that. I wouldn't even say $999. I'd be like, we got, if you got $50, let's line up right here. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> That's it. We got the fifty dollar line, the hundred dollar line, and then the rest of y'all get over there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I was at a service and somebody literally said that. They're like, "You got a hundred dollars today, getting this line. You got fifty dollars getting this line. All right, the rest of y'all just go over there." <laughs> I'd be like, "Boy, I tell you, the stuff we go through." But it's it's easy to become cynical because. I hate to say this, you all are gullible sometimes. And it would be so easy to do that if I didn't have integrity. Because the people that you all want to listen to 
they're telling you all this, and then they're taking the money that, that you're sending them, and they're taking buying private jets and Bentleys and living a lifestyle that you all can't live. It's easy, this third section that Malachi addresses, it's easy to become cynical and to think that it is useless to limit myself to dating or marrying only Christians. <laughs> that was a hard Sunday. <laughs> that was a hard su- Sunday. There's so many beautiful people in the world. Why do I have to only marry a Christian? It's easy to think that it is useless to limiting yourself to remaining celibate until marriage, right? As someone recently t- told me, you got to test drive in order before you know that you like it. I'm like, like, is that really what we as Christians should be doing? Really, that, that's how we should be thinking? You know, that's not love. It, it, if I have to test drive something, they're like, oh, I don't really like that. I can't marry you. I'm going to find somebody else. You have more issues than just that. You don't know what love is. That person shouldn't want to marry someone like that anyway. Because there's always someone that can do it better. And that means you might not be able to keep the person. <laughs> it can be cynical. <laughs> I don't even know what y'all said. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep re- I'm just gonna keep reading my notes. It is it can be it can oftentimes be cynical to think that it is useless for us to remain in a marriage that is difficult when we can get divorced and be free. Malachi says said this uh, this was another difficult Sunday. It is useless sometimes we think considering the impact my life choices will have on the rest of the body of Christ rather than considering my own happiness. Malachi saying, said all of these things. And what we only think, well, what this is, is this going to make me happy? And it doesn't matter what the impact will be on the rest of the body, right? Because we're living for ourselves. Malachi is challenging us in these things. And sometimes we feel that that rather than us making the sacrifice to live this type of life it will be easier to just go do what we want like everyone else fourth section section that we all know about will a man rob god <laughs> yep that's what malachi says it is easy to become cynical and to think that it is useless to give god 10% of our money or any of our money at all. We ask ourselves, is it really worth the sacrifice, especially when others who don't give to God at all seems to keep getting blessed? Well, what is the point in that? You got unsaved people that don't give at all, and they seem to be making, ev- making a whole bunch of money. Why should I make the sacrifice? Last section. <coughs> it is easy to become cynical and to think that it is better to have the best of both worlds or to enjoy everything the world has to offer now and then we get to go to heaven and get to enjoy everything that heaven has to offer, right? We have the best of both worlds. We just put one foot in the world, put one foot in the church, and we can enjoy all of the pleasures now and then go to heaven and get all the pleasure, right? So win-win. Except there's only one problem with that line of thinking. (laughs) God is keeping score. God is keeping score. Listen to what Malachi says next here in this passage. He's saying that this is what the Jews at this time is thinking. He says that they are speaking harsh words against the Lord. They're speaking harsh words against the Lord because they feel that they are serving God and they are getting nothing for it. 
And yet the people who are not serving God, they seem to be blessed. Look what he says, verse 14. You have said it is vain to serve God. What do we profit by keeping his commands or by going about mourning before the Lord? What benefit is it in, in, in this for us to serve God? Now, verse 15, we count the arrogant happy. Evildoers not only prosper, but when they put God to the test, they escape. All of the sinners are having fun, and God is letting them off the hook. <laughs> Shouldn't we be able to do the same thing? Now, that would be a great way of thinking about it. If God was not a righteous judge, if God was like us and he actually did give people a pass when they sin, that would be a great, great thing. We'll just go ahead and enjoy this world and then you get to go to heaven and there's no consequences. But God is holy. And he's omniscient. He knows everything and he does not forget. And now, so listen with what, what Malachi goes on to say. Verse 16. Right. He lets us know that God is keeping track of those who fear his name. Then those who revered the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord took note and listened, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who revered the name, um, revered the Lord and thought on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, my special possession on the day when I act. God is keeping track of all of those who fear his name, and he is also, as we'll get to the end of this chapter, keeping track of all of those who will not serve him. Notice that fearing God is not an individual thing. It's a team sport, right? It says those people who fear his name, they talk to one another, right? They, 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 they spend time with one another. This is exactly why Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that we should not skip church. We should be coming together, it says, so that we can stir up loving good works and so that we can encourage one another. And he says, all the more so as you see the day, what day? Judgment day, approaching. See, God is keeping a book of remembrance of those who choose to put him first in this life, and he will repay them when he comes. All we must learn how to do is learn how to patiently wait on him. Now, I understand. I get this point. I struggle sometimes with this. I look out and I see how all uh, other people um, are, are, are prospering. And I'm just like, Lord, what about me? <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm, I'm s sacrificing. I'm doing all of this work. I'm trying to help people. I, I'm doing all of these things, and, and I'm not struggling, but I'm not moving forward. I'm not I don't feel like I'm progressing, right? And, and then I look at other people, and I'm just like, man, they playing. <laughs> They're not even serious. And it seems like they're just moving leaps and bounds and, and all kinds of stuff. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about money or members or anything in particular. I'm just saying just in general, it, it, it just seems like some people, they get up here and then you just be like, did, I mean, did they even read this week? I literally heard this sermon before this guy. He was like, yeah. And he said something like, uh. What he, um, it's like a nursery rhyme. He just broke out into like a nursery rhyme in the middle of his sermon, and people were like, yeah, woo, -hoo, woo. They falling on. I'm just like, I'd be like, Lord, I'd be sitting here all week long <laughs> studying, looking up Greek words, and and then I get up and I give my message, and people are like. Don't you know Golden Corral opened back up? <laughs> <laughs> and people just get up here and be like dropping nursery rhymes and and people be falling all out on the floor. I'm like, I don't get it. 
I just don't understand. <laughs> but what I have to keep reminding myself of is that I have to wait patiently on the Lord. His plan for me is not the same plan he has for someone else. And and I and, and luckily, thank the Lord, I learned this this uh learned this uh early on because I think they say something like 1,200 pastors a year drop out of the ministry. They just quit. I'm tired. I can't deal with these people no more. They quit just out. 1,200 pastors a year. Right? It's because we don't, we can become cynical because we don't learn to wait patiently on the Lord. We have to remind ourselves that God is keeping track. He's keeping a book of remembrance for every single sacrifice you make for him. And he is a God who will repay. Now, just a couple passages of scripture. Three, I want to, I'll just read them to you. I'm I'm not going to have you turn to them. You you, you can jot these down. These, These passages of scripture are scriptures that we have to keep reminding ourselves of when we get to this place of, feeling cynical or feeling like, hey, I'm doing all of these things for God, but it does not matter, right? First one, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed to us. Paul uses this idea, this, uh, the, this idea of, of worth, worthy. It, the idea behind this Greek word is, is that of scales. And so he's saying that, that if you put in all the suffering, the pain, the sacrifice that you make in this world, you put that, that on one scale, and then you put the glory that God is going to reveal in you and to you on the other side, the sufferings and the sacrifices will never make that scale balance. God's glory will always tip the scales. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, after the scripture that we know is about the talking about the resurrection, therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You may feel like it's useless, the things that you are doing, but in the Lord, it's not vain. He will always repay. The last one, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Again, I think Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. So Paul says, (laughs) God is not unjust. He will not overlook your work and the love that you have showed for his sake in serving the saints as you still do. And we want each of you to show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope to the very end so that you may not become sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. God is not unjust. He's not going to forget all the things that you do. He will repay you. But he goes on to say that you have to take this in, this full assurance, or you're going to get sluggish. You're be like, eh, it's not that important. I can do it or don't do it. It doesn't really matter. Right? You must remain diligent and patient so that you can receive the promise. I want us to keep this in mind that God is going to one day return and he's going to repay us, as the Bible says, those who do good will be repaid with eternal life and those who do evil will be repaid with eternal judgment. Now, again, we know those who do good uh, is a reference to those who put their faith and trust in Christ, right? But again, I want us to Keep this in mind. One, God is keeping score, <laughs> and he's going to repay all those who sacrifice and serve him, 
and fear his name, he's going to repay them with good. But there's also a flip side to this. God is keeping score of those who will not serve him as well. Every April the 15th, Uncle Sam has set aside a day where he will settle the score. And on that day, if you've paid too much in taxes, you get a refund. But if you pay too little in taxes throughout the year, <laughs> you got to pay up. And every single year, there are some people who are happy on April the 15th, <laughs> right? They love tax time. But every year, there's some people who dread April the 15th. They're terrified on tax, uh, during tax time. They don't know what the consequences are going to be. What's the damage? That's what I ask my accountant. Every time we sit down to do my taxes, all right, what's the damage? I owe every year. What's the damage? <laughs> Malachi is trying to clue us in on the fact that there is also going to be a spiritual tax time. There is a day that God has appointed for Jesus to judge the world. Listen to what Malachi says here again about this time that God has set aside to come and settle accounts. He says, <coughs> verse 17, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, my special possession on the day when I act. And I will spare them as parents spare their children who serve them. Those are the ones that fear the Lord. Then once more, you shall see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. See, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. On this day, and I, w I will add, I, I, was, I was saying this the morning, I got myself in trouble talking about this this morning. I, I, I will say that this day is coming sooner than we think. <laughs> right. A lot sooner than we think. Um, now, again, I'm going to repeat what I said this morning, even though people don't listen to what I say. This statement, <laughs> this statement has absolutely nothing to do with the vaccine, like it, love it or hate it, this statement has nothing to do with the vaccine. But the system for the mark of the beast is being built right in front of our eyes, and we aren't even paying attention. The system for the mark of the beast is being built right before our eyes. We aren't even paying attention. Now think about this. Revelation chapter 13 says, that if you don't receive this mark on your hand or your forehead, you will not be allowed to go and buy or sell anything. Right? Now, how, do, how, now how is the Antichrist going to convince people that they need to get a mark on their hand or they're not allowed to go into a store? It's like, ooh, well, if you don't have this vaccine passport, you can't come to a stadium. You can't. Listen, I, my, I'm not talking to get the vaccine, get vaccinated. That's not my point. But these vaccine passports, we're being trained already to think like, whoa, I need this to go into the store. I, if I don't get this, I can't go buy anything. Jesus is coming a lot sooner than we all think. We're already being trained. Okay. Now, I'm not saying... I'm not, again, I'm not taking a position on this. This has nothing to do with saying the, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. The vaccine is not the mark of the beast. The vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Okay, I, 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 wanna, I have to say this because they're going to be like, oh, pastor said the vaccine is the mark of the beast. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I want this on tape. <laughs> so I can say, no, I, I specifically say it. The vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Okay. 
That should be the title of the sermon. That should, that should be the title of my sermon. <laughs> okay. Yeah, scratch. Serving God is worth it. The vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Okay. <laughs> that being said, we are being trained to think in terms of showing proof in order to get into stores. Right? I mean, Paul does say in in 1 Thessalonians that after the rapture, God is going to send them strong delusions so that they will believe the lie and follow the Antichrist. So all of the resistance that we have to all of these things, that's going to be gone very shortly. So God has appointed a day when he's going to come and judge the world. That day is coming a lot sooner than we all think. Oh, yeah, I'm, what I'm going to do when I retire? You might not get to retire. <laughs> Plan for it. And they be like, oh, I might as well spend my eye right now. Listen, keep putting the money away just in, ca- just in case Jesus don't come as fast as we think. Okay. But God is, is preparing to fulfill his word. On that day, that day will be a day of punishment and suffering for all those who have chosen not to obey God. He says this day is going to be like a burning oven. And all of those who oppose him are going to be destroyed. Now, on the flip side, he says, those who revere God's name, those who fear him, those people who continue to live their life in light of who God is, those who put God first, it is going to be a day of deliverance and rejoicing. So for one, it's going to be a a day of suffering. For another, it's going to be a day of rejoicing. He goes on to say, verse uh, 2, But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. You shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the sole of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. As I was reading the scripture and thinking about this, I thought about what Paul says that when Jesus comes back, he's going to destroy Satan with the brightness of his coming. Right, we keep thinking that Jesus is going to get on the ground and with a sword and be like, <laughs> be <laughs> fighting people. How, Jesus doesn't have to do any of that. <laughs> the, the light, the glory that emanates from his person, he's going to destroy him with the brightness of his coming. The intensity, right? We, we can go back, go through the, through the, the uh, minor prophets, and they talk about that when Jesus t- um, comes back, and he says, those who oppose him, it says, their skin will melt from their bones. Their tongues will dissolve in their mouths. It's going to like a nuclear bomb, <laughs> destroying every, everything and everyone that opposes him. But for those people who love him, he says, that the son of healing will rise for them. So the the same glory and intensity that destroys God's enemies, that same glory is going to cause us to feel the warmth of his love. One is going to suffer. One will be rejoicing. I'm just going to end with this just these three ideas. Number one on this, I love when people say to me that you're on the wrong side of history. I get that a lot. Whenever I talk, uh, talk to people about public issues or different things, they say, well, see, you're on the wrong side of history. You know, for me, I'm not really all that concerned about being on the wrong side of history. I just don't want to be on the wrong side of God. <laughs> right? right. I, I, w- I will be on the wrong side of history all day as long as I'm on the right side of God. 
because all of the people who think they're on the right side of history on that day, they're going to realize that they're on the wrong side of God. Second thing I wanted to just kind of throw back is about it is so worth it to serve God. Listen, we talked about this just a couple of weeks ago when we looked at Psalm 37 and how in Psalm 37, he starts off by um, David starts off by saying, don't fret because of evildoers, because they will soon be cut off. Right. And so oftentimes it is easy for us to stop and to look at things that are taking place in the world. And 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 honestly, it really is jealousy. Right. We, we, we see the wicked prospering, and we're wondering, like, well, why can't I have that, right? We get a little bit of jealousy going on. And it tempts us to, to be more lax in our service to God, just like we saw throughout the rest of the book of Malachi, right? What I have been trying to communicate, not only here, but in, you know, so many other, other series that we have, have covered, is serving God is worth it. Let's go, if we go back just to the series on James, <laughs> chapter one on suffering, right? God is not all that concerned about our temporary pain. God has a goal in mind, and his goal is for you to look like Jesus. And sometimes, in order for God to make you look like Jesus, he has to allow you to hurt a little bit. I was talking to Kayla in the car this morning. She said, um, I was like, this is a weird comment. But she said, <laughs> she said, um, asked me, do people who are paralyzed, with c- if a person is paralyzed, can you feel them pinching you? And I was like, well, no, because they're paralyzed. And she was like, well, that's cool. <laughs> I'm like, I don't. I don't think you get it. I don't think you get it. <laughs> and so I was trying to help her to understand that we might hate pain, but pain is a good thing. Because I- if you're working around a stove <laughs> and you, your arm gets in the, in, the, in the fire and you don't feel that, you're, that your clothes are on fire, you're going to get seriously injured. So God has given us pain as a, as a good gift, right? Now, in a sin-fallen world, it doesn't feel good with all of the suffering that goes on, but, but pain can be used as a good thing. And this is what God is asking us for the very short 60, 70, 80, 90 years. My grandmother's ni- about almost 98, right? So let's say 100 years. Okay. For this short period of time, he wants us to learn patience and suffering. He teaches us endurance so that we could learn to be like Christ. Now, for this short 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, the world is prospering. They're doing all kinds of evil things, oppressing people, and it seems like God is just giving them all of these things. David says, Psalm 37, don't fret because of evildoers. They will soon be cut off. He gets to the end of the psalm and says, you will look for them and you will not find them. But the meek will inherit the earth. Right? So he's giving them all of their pleasure and all their joy right now because for all eternity, they're going to suffer. But he asks you to love him enough to sacrifice for 60, 70, 80, 90 years. You're like, well, that's a long time. Not in comparison to eternity. Where you will have live on streets paved with gold. Gold is so cheap in heaven that they paved the streets with it. It's just like, <laughs> we don't have time for that asphalt. We're just going <laughs> to use gold. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And the walls of the cities are made out of diamonds, okay? He's just like, oh, y'all, rings. Who these gates for cities? We just use diamonds to put them up, okay? <laughs> and the Bible says that at God's right hand, there's pleasure forevermore. 
so again, serving God is worth it. God is asking you to make the sacrifice for a very short period of time, and he will reward you for all of eternity. Now, that's a secondary reason to serve God, <laughs> right? I was talking to somebody this, just two weeks ago, and they were like, well, you know, isn't it a little selfish to serve God because you want all of the, the blessings in heaven? And I'm like, mm, not really. <laughs> I mean, God promised them to us, right? So it's not, it's not the wrong with, with saying, you know, God says that if you, if you follow me, then I will bless you. You're like, okay, well, I, I, you know, I want everything God has to offer me, right? But that's the secondary reason. The first reason should be we love him because he first loved us and gave his life for us. My final idea that I want to leave us with is this idea of our whole series called Authentic Worship. And I'm saying this like we're not coming back next week to talk about <laughs> the finish up Malachi, but we will. But this idea of authentic worship, okay, I want us to to keep in mind, we have to expand our understanding of, of, of these terms. Worship is not singing songs before at the beginning of the church service, okay, <laughs> right? The very first reference to worship in the Bible is in the book of Genesis when Eleazar was sent to find a wife for, um, for Isaac, right? And, and he finds, Re um, not Rebecca, Rebecca, right? And, and it says that once he realized that the Lord had sent uh, um, um, him to her, he bows his head and worships. No singing, no falling in the floor, you know, nothing wrong with all, any of that. I'm just, but worship is a lifestyle thing that can be done anywhere at all times, right? It is a way of looking at life, right? It is a way of seeing what God is doing in the world and in your life and responding to that, right? So singing praise and worship songs at church or at home is a part of worship, but worship is an attitude of the heart. Where in every circumstance I find myself in, I'm trying to figure out how can I honor God, right? Now, that is what authentic worship is. Authentic worship is, is finding out what God wants in this circumstance and doing that. Right. And, and, and that is what we have been looking at chapter after chapter in Malachi. Right. What, what is God's design? What does he desire? How do we give him what, what he is worthy of? Right. And hopefully as, as we've worked our way through uh, this series um, in Malachi, um, you've been challenged on that. I know I've been challenged on it, <laughs> right? Um, and, 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 and as we transition out of the book of Malachi, hopefully uh, what we, we, we do is not just say, hey, that was a great series, you know, file our notes away <laughs> and, and don't look at it. I, I'm ch I challenge you to wrestle with the things that we talked about in Malachi and to ask the Holy Spirit to show you how do I apply these things in my life? How do I, you know, see what God wants, see what will most honor him and glorify him in every single circumstance that I face? And what sacrifices do I need to, to, to make to, to make that happen? And recognize that whatever the sacrifice you have to make, one, God is worth it, and two, he will reward you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to be able to look again at this passage. I know I didn't go into as a lot of detail the way I uh, normally have throughout the rest of the book of Malachi, but I pray, Lord, that you would help us to take all of the things that we've heard this, these last six or seven weeks. And I pray, Lord, that you would challenge us. Bring to our hearts and minds the areas of our lives where we are not 
worshiping you authentically. Help us to see the places where we are not giving you what you are worthy of. I pray that you would help us and challenge us, as Paul says, to walk worthy of our calling. This is a heavy calling that you have given us. One that the world will not understand. And yet, you have called us to it anyway. Oftentimes, we may become cynical and think that it is easier to just go with the flow and go with what the rest of the world is doing. Even other Christians, sometimes we may feel, well, we, we, why can't we just do what they're doing? In those times, I pray that you would help us to remember, Lord, that you are keeping a book of remembrance. You are tracking all of the sacrifices that we are making for you. And on the day of judgment, you will come and, and that will be a day of, of suffering for those who oppose you. But it will be a day of deliverance and salvation and rejoicing for us. And we will receive the reward that you have promised us. I pray, Lord, that you would keep working in our hearts. Help us not to live our days haphazardly. But I pray that you would teach us how to live intentionally for you. Teach us how to set up our lives and our days and our schedule so that we could give you our best, so that we can give you our full attention because you did that for us. We ask, Lord, as we are working on ending this series, I pray that you would continue to bring our minds back to these things as we pray for all of the series that we've finished. Bring our minds to these things and, and help us to live these things out in a way that pleases you. Help us to know that we will fail, we will fall short, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You've taken all of our failures and nailed them to your cross. And therefore, we can, can openly try and fall and fail knowing that we can get up and keep pursuing you. Pray that you would keep developing and, and growing us until you come for us. We thank you now for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, one, one thing I'm, uh, as I'm closing out, this is the closest we've been in a long time. All right. <laughs> all right. I'm so happy. I got one more Sunday of letting y'all out by noon, and then I'll have to